What's up, guys? This is Ryan Flanagan, and you're listening to my one-on-one podcast presented by Lacrosse All-Stars. Today, we're going one-on-one with Tom Schreiber. Tom grew up in East Meadow, New York, and will tell us what it was like growing up with a dad who was a two-time All-American at Maryland, what it was like to play football and lacrosse in the youth leagues on Long Island. He'll talk to us about how important he thinks it is to play multiple sports while you're growing up and developing as an athlete and how lacrosse coaches actually came to watch him play football while they were recruiting him. Tom had the opportunity to try out for the U.S. national team while he was still in college after his junior year, and he'll talk about the jump from playing at Princeton to playing with some of the best players in the world, and then his decision to become a full-time professional lacrosse person and the advice he has for the younger generation looking to follow in his footsteps. Tom Schreiber, thanks for joining us today, man. We're uh, a pleasure to have you. Glad to be on. How are you doing, Ryan? Doing well. It's, uh, I mean, it's lacrosse season, so we're all crazy busy. I know you're out west. It's, uh, you guys got started, right? We have. We're about a week and a half into our game schedule out here for J. Sarah High School. Um, Brendan Fowler, your teammate um, from the Hounds. Uh, myself and one of my college teammates, Brian Cavanaugh, are the coaching staff. Um, we've had a an interesting start. We got our first W the other night, so we're on the right track. And, you know, another two or three games this week. So it's it's going fast and it's going well. And like you said, it's good to finally be here in lacrosse season. Yep, for sure. And then and then obviously MLL is starting up here so shortly. And you're keeping your stick sharp. But how did you uh, how did you get into this whole thing? How did you start playing lacrosse? I know your dad played, but but how did you the whole thing start for you? Um, from birth, um, you, you mentioned my dad played in Maryland back in the '70s, and and it's you know on both sides of my family, all my uncles play on my on my dad's side, my mom's side, and you know I had a I had a stick in my crib with my name on it the day I was born. So it's been uh you know in the blood and I've had a stick in my hand as long as I can remember. Was there anything that, that really drew you to it or it was just like you said it was just kind of the, the family push more or less? It was a family push but you know I, I loved it right from the get-go. You know I, I don't think I played on my first team until third grade um, at the Long Island PAL level. I, I know we had some battles against West Islip. I know we're not the same age but we had some some pretty intense battles with the Hodgins and the Golossos of the world. Oh um, lucky you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yep, but um, you know, I've loved the sport ever since I started playing, and and you know, I still find myself you know really enjoying it. You know, spreading the game around the country, and, and in some cases around the world. So, so what was that youth experience like? I grew up on Long Island and West Islip. We had an, we had an unbelievable youth program at Tom Federico. You talked about the Glossos and the Hodgsons and mm-hmm. the Turries and the whole crew. What was the youth program like? Obviously, it's Long Island PL, but each town kind of operates their own. What was your experience like, and how involved was your dad and your uncles and your family? I'm super involved. So I'm I'm from East Meadow, New York, which is in Nassau County. You know, right down the road from Hofstra University. And uh, my dad, you know, was 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 our coach from day one, from third grade. I think it went from third grade to sixth grade was the youth level where you know we had some battles with our, our rival high schools or our rival towns. You know, at the youth level and made a lot of great friends and 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 learned the game there. And you know, it was a different time. It was before you know the the club stuff really got started. And it was a great experience. We got to play. Uh, for East Meadow, you know, we had the same jerseys as the high school team, and you know, it was a, it was a great opportunity to kind of get some town pride and learn the game at the same time. So I grew up in a very similar environment, and you've traveled the world, like you said, it's it's taken you everywhere. What are some of the differences you see? You're out in California now. I mean, you, you play mm-hmm. in Ohio with the machine. You played in Jersey with, with at Princeton. You know, what are the differences you see, specifically as you get more involved in the youth level and, and at, you know introducing the sport? The differences between the rec level and the, and the youth level that you're seeing in California versus what you grew up with on Long Island. I, I actually think it's pretty similar. You know, it's, it's 15 years later at this point. 
But I think the the stick work nowadays is more impressive at the youth level than it was, you know, when I was growing up. Back then, it was, you know, a bunch of football and basketball players trying the sport out versus kids who are specializing from day one. I, I know you have your opinions on specializing, and I do as well, and I'm sure we'll jump into it at some point on the, on this podcast. You know, the, the athletes as well out here uh, on the West Coast are a little different. You know, these kids don't necessarily grow up with a lacrosse stick in their hands, but they you know they're surfing they're super active and you know once they commit to lacrosse which you know i've seen at a pretty young level here they stick to it and they're and they're pretty good it's you know i coach a little youth out here and um like we talked about i'm coaching at the high school level and you know i think california lacrosse and and the west coast and some of the newer states to the game are you know uh, five to ten years away from really catching up to the traditional hotbeds and long island and baltimore and the jersey's uh areas do you think there's any like I said, that long island and that's because that's what I know. That's what you know. Do you think just the the way that's organized? So every town has their youth program, and and you play like you said, you play with your your town all the way from, with the exception of going to a private school, you play for East Meadow PAL all the way up through East Meadow High School. Is there a benefit to that? Is it is it not really a big factor, or is, or is that similar to what you're seeing everywhere? Well, I, I think the difference on Long Island, and I'm, and I can't, you know, I, I didn't grow up in Baltimore or, or anything like that, but I, I think, you know, it's pretty similar to Long Island is that all your coaches have played lacrosse themselves. I think out here you're seeing coaches at the youth level that were super successful athletes that have fallen in love with lacrosse but have never actually played the game. I think, you know, it'll take some time to, to grow a, a bigger sample size to see how that really affects you know, kids growing up and, and how they develop. But I think that, you know, is a major difference that I noticed from day one. And it's, it's like you said, it takes guys like yourself just getting more involved and guys that have, you know, as like I said, as the pool grows, that creates more coaches and, and more people to be involved and to kind of give back, which like you said, that, that's something your dad did, which helped your whole town and yourself. Marcus Holman had a very similar experience. Scott Rogers had a similar experience. Scott Ratliff had a similar experience. Almost everybody we talked to had a similar experience where their dad was very involved and their, their dad was somebody who played lacrosse. Did your dad push you into it? And we always talk about this push and this pull specifically at the youth level. Did he kind of push you to play lacrosse or was he kind of, hey, you know, Tom, if this is what you're interested, I'm here, but do your own thing. You know, kind of, how did that relationship work out? I would say uh, he didn't, he did not push me into the game. I, I loved it from day one. I would say that he pushed me to develop. You know, I can remember as early as third grade to all the way through my high school years until now. You know, uh, he's he's an enormous part of, you know, me growing up as a as a player, you know, as a student and, you know, as just a, a young adult at this point. He, he coached me in every sport from from basketball to, to baseball to lacrosse to football and, you know, was on our varsity staff at St. Anthony's. And, you know, when I come home, you know, for the holidays now, he, you know, we're out on the field getting some shots in. He's still super involved in the game always trying to learn he's you know a, a true student of the game even at his age and um, you know constantly pushing me to try some new things and you know was always there you know to motivate me maybe you know when I wasn't motivated myself in my in my younger years that's cool that's like I said that, that's similar to the experience we, we've heard and so many of our listeners are, are kids that are playing for their dad or dads that are coaching their kids so it, it's cool to hear that experience of guys like yourself like we said with Marcus and Scott so you played at East, East, the East Meadow PAL the Long Island PAL League 
went on to St. Anthony's High School, which is a total powerhouse. And, and we've, again, we've talked to guys coming from all walks of life and different high schools. Like we said, Scott Radliff has, went to a, a school in Georgia that nobody's heard of. And, and Marcus Holman went to the Gilman School and you're at St. Anthony's. And Scott Rogers played at MacArthur, which is not a powerhouse by any stretch of the imagination on Long Island. What was it like playing at St. Anthony's? And, and I know you played with a lot of guys. You know, How was that experience when you got to St. Anthony's? I think it was your, probably your freshman year till you, you obviously went on and had a great career as a senior. Well, it, it, it wasn't the plan originally. Um, you know, I was all set to go to East Meadow High School throughout middle school. I couldn't wait. You know, like I mentioned before, we were wearing our town colors and PAL growing up. You know, I was playing with all my friends. You know, my parents ran and operated a deli in Hicksville on Long Island. I know you know where that is. As I was growing up and, and through my middle school years, my dad ended up taking a job at St. Anthony's um, and he still works there. He still runs the food service actually with our head lacrosse coach, uh, Keith Weiserick, and they, they run the uh, they run a small catering business and they run the food service at St. Anthony's. And I think that happened around beginning of my eighth grade year in East Meadow. And next thing I knew, you know, I was, I was going off to St. Anthony's the next year. And I, initially I wasn't, I wasn't too excited about it. Um, you know, I was a, a young kid that wanted to hang out with his friends that he knew growing up and it was really the first time I had to you know step out of my comfort zone and I was super nervous and anxious about you know starting up and I played freshman football which began two weeks before the school year and I met you know 40 new best friends you know it was very similar to you know your first day of college when you get to know your team and and you're in a new environment and you know you're nervous and anxious and you know just that team presence meant a lot to me then and it did you know in college as well um but you know as i got comfortable at st anthony's i loved it you know i one underrated part i think about going to you know a catholic high school on long island is you meet people from all over the island you know before i had gone there all my friends were from east meadow in one place and then you know as i went to school i had friends you know as far east as the hamptons and people in nassau county suffolk county south shore north shore you know i got to know a, a lot of different people, lacrosse players, football players, athletes, non-athletes. You know, my experience at St. Anthony's was phenomenal, you know, from, from athletics to academics to, you know, having my dad around at lunchtime and, and being able to cut the line, um, grabbing, grabbing my food, which was a, which was a big time perk. Um, but overall it was great. You know, we had a, you know, a great football team while I was there and a great lacrosse team. And, you know, like I said, academically things went very well and I had a great experience, you know, overall, you know, I can't say enough about the place. I know, you, I know on the lacrosse field, you got to, you got to meet some West Islip guys, which is always good with, with Rooney, Sean Rooney. And then mm -hmm. you got to play with Chan and Chuck, which is huge. What was it like on the football field? You had a great football career. You know, what, what was that like? You we hear so many kids today and you alluded to it earlier, specializing in kids that really want to focus on lacrosse, but, but, you were an all-state football player at St. Anthony's, and, and that's a that's a football powerhouse in itself. But being all-state in, in big-time football in New York is quite an accomplishment. You know, how what was your experience on the football field like? Oh, it was fantastic. You know, at, at that time, you know, St. Anthony's was somewhat of a dynasty, and I think you know it was it was seven Catholic League football titles in a row, um, which was you know pretty impressive. You know, it was before I I had gotten there. I think it was at seven, and we ended up losing my junior year. You know, it was a lot of pressure to kind of fix it the, the following season, but we ended up winning my senior year, which was great. Um, and the unique thing about St. Anthony's is we ran a triple option, um, which, you know, you don't see too often anymore. And I, I was the quarterback, so I was making, you know, pre-snap reads, deciding which way the play was going. I was reading the defensive tackle, whether or not to hand the ball to our, our fullback, and reading the defensive end, whether to keep the ball or pitch it to, you know, our tailback. And I think, 
you know, running and operating that offense for four years, you know, is as valuable as anything I did um, as a lacrosse player for my lacrosse game, specifically feeding, you know, which is a, a pretty big part of my game um, as a lacrosse player. And, you know, as you, you know, alluded to, the specializing is, is growing. Um, and I think, I think it's a shame. And I think, you know, as I've said, my football career, I think, helped, you know, my lacrosse career as, as much as anything I did you know, with the stick in my hand. So you talk to young kids now all the time and, and a mom or a dad comes to you and says, you know, Tom, should, should, should my son just play lacrosse here? And what is that advice that you give to them? And, and how do you handle that conversation with kids? You know, I, I have a few opinions on it because I think, you know, the lacrosse establishment has made it really difficult for kids to play multiple sports. So my answer is absolutely play multiple sports. But you know, it's frustrating, you know, when you're hearing this, it seems, you know, everyone who has any sort of influence in the game, you know, says, don't specialize, play multiple sports, but the recruiting system doesn't allow you to do so. You know, with the early recruiting and these fall showcases, these fall tournaments, you know, any kid who wants to get recruited has to play five or six weekends in the fall and they can't play football and they can't play basketball. They can't play soccer unless they want to miss out on these opportunities to get seen by college coaches. And I think it's a shame. You know, I, I've put a lot of thought into it just because, you know, I think me playing football and I played a lot of, you know, rec basketball. I didn't play for the school team, but I played, you know, a lot of point guard in the in the gym and in uh, pickup games. And I think I had it had a similar effect as, you know, being a triple option quarterback did had on, on my lacrosse game. And I, my advice, you know, even at the younger levels now is to play multiple sports. And in order to avoid missing out on these fall tournaments and showcases, you can't really play organized football or basketball for your school teams, but get your friends together, play in a flag football league, play in a basketball rec league, you know, and I, I think it goes beyond getting other skills. I think, you know, building that team mentality that a football team can offer or a basketball team can offer really goes a long way in lacrosse. Yeah, and, and we talk about just within the lacrosse world and, and the community where it, we, we operate in, we live in, a lot of us talk about, you know, it's definitely that issue of the same guys, like you said, the influencers that are telling you to play multiple sports are also running the tournaments in the fall. So you're definitely and you're and, and recruiting at those events. So it is a little bit confusing at times, but uh, but there's no governing body. And that's one of the things that, you know, there's U.S. lacrosse, but but they haven't really gotten involved to, the, to put a clamp down on those and, and they don't really have the place to do it. So that's that's something that I know a lot of us in lacrosse will kind of scratch our heads is, you know, what do we do here? And, and I'm with you. It's it seems like the the best answer is try to find a way to be involved in both. And like you said, there's no, there is no clear cut answer for a lot of it. Yeah. I, I think it's a shame. I, I think it's, you know, you could only do so much on your own, play some rec basketball, maybe some flag football, but I think a lot of these kids and, you know, it's because of, you know, the, the, the club scene, you know, has kind of minimized how important school ball is in lacrosse. So, you know, for example, like the St. Anthony Shamanad varsity game has kind of lost its luster, in my opinion, over the last couple of years, just because being recruited and is off through your mm -hmm. club team in the fall and in the summer. And you're focused so much on that. And, you know, I, I think it's good in a way for developing your lacrosse game. But I think you lose out again on that on that team mentality where you're together every day, you know, you have to be on the bus on time, you know, you have to have the right shorts and socks on. And I think, you know, a lot of guys are missing out on, you know, those types of things just because, you know, the club scene has become so important and you're not really able to play other sports where you'd learn those sort of values.
mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yep. And, and when we talk about it, you go to a lacrosse tournament on Saturday, Sunday, but Monday through Friday, you're on your own preparing for that. And that doesn't have the same intensity, the camaraderie, the same discipline that you have in a football practice or a soccer practice or a basketball practice, like you said. So it's just, like I said, it's, it's, we're all looking for answers and, and I don't think there are any. You are built like a football player. Uh, you know, I've gotten to know you. I've seen you play lacrosse. Was the th- did the thought ever go through your mind of playing college football? You, you look, I mean, anybody that meets you, anybody who watches you play, I mean, you look more like a linebacker or a halfback than you do a dodging north-south midfielder. I, I think maybe if I were, you know, a couple inches taller and, and had a better arm, I would have given it a shot. But uh, I think, you know, in terms of my football career, um, I was, you know, I'm kind of built to be a, a – triple option quarterback that can run a little bit that can you know maybe throw the ball 10 to 12 times a game um i don't, I don't think i had a, a big time enough arm or the height to really play at the next level but um you know i was i was pretty content to play football at a high level in high school and you know really enjoy that part of you know it was a, it was actually the f- first sport i played you know maybe besides like youth soccer but I, I started playing football when i was six years old again for my dad for the levittown red devils which you know I, I actually played with and against brendan fowler who i live with now and um you know we've we've talked about how much you know, growing up and playing those those youth football games, we played in some some pretty gritty, tough towns. And, you know, I think you know, that did a lot, you know, even from a very young age, you know, from six years old to 10 years old, you know, learning how to, you know, be tough and, and get through things and, and fighting through adversity, I think, you know, had a huge impact, you know, on who we are as athletes now but you know i kind of rambled and got off off top off topic there a little bit but um i loved my football career uh to answer your question i don't think i could have played college football but uh I really enjoyed playing as a kid and, and through high school. Well, you guys lucked out because Scott Rogers is a Levittown Red Devil football player as well. And luckily, he's a couple of years older, but I would have. Uh, <laughs> he's not a guy I wanted to see on the gridiron for sure. No. If, if we were running the option, I'd run it the other way. You know, I'd, I'd have the call to go the opposite side of Scotty. So you didn't play, you weren't going to play college football. What was the lacrosse recruiting experience like for you? And, and you were in a time when, when the club scene really started to explode a little bit. San Anthony Shaman and those rivalry games were still relevant, but it definitely was. You, you were kind of in that wave where there was a bit, it was after the Empire State games and it was the shift to more of a club scene model, right? Actually, I was a part of the last um, Empire State games that were, that was, you know, the way it traditionally was run. You know, I was, I, I think a year younger, um, a handful of guys and myself played up a year in the Empire Games. Um, you know, we played against John Rannigan and, and Jojo Morasco and some of those, you know, those upsta- upstate, like, high-profile players. And um, I think that's where, you know, I got recruited for the most part. And, you know, the St. Anthony Chaminade Championship game, I believe, when I was a sophomore. And I actually, you know, I, I, I don't think you'd see too much of this nowadays, but I had a couple, you know, college lacrosse coaches come to my football games um in the fall of my junior year um so i would say i was at the tail end of the way it used to be i committed in march of my junior year to princeton which was a little late at that time but i I knew i wanted to you know go to not necessarily an ivy league school but a school that you know valued academics and you know i wanted to get my test scores up as much as i could before you know really making you know a big decision like that and um you know, the pressure, I think, was, was a little different than it is now. You know, I was older, I think a little well, better equipped to deal with, you know, such a big life decision and, and, and deal with the pressure that is, you know, having to call, you know, a college coach that you've watched on TV your whole life and telling him either, you know, I'd like to play for you or I don't want to play for you, which is which is tough in itself. 
you know, that's, that's kind of how it went for me. And I know it's very different nowadays, but you know, overall, I think it was a pretty, pretty good experience for me. I didn't, you know, have too much stress. I'm sure my parents had a little bit more than I did, but uh, overall, it's a pretty positive experience. So, so process started, you know, sophomore year, committed March year, junior year. How many turn? I mean, nowadays, we see kids that are playing and trying to get in ten camps and tournaments a summer. You know, how many tournaments camps were you going to, kind of throughout that process? My, again, my experience was a little unique. Um, back then, the big recruiting, you know, showcase was was the Jake Reed Blue Chip Camp, which I know is still one of the major events but but back then it was pretty much that and the world and the um empire state games and i actually i tore a couple ligaments in my thumb at the end of my sophomore year and i missed and i missed that summer so i i actually you know i got through the empire games and had to get surgery after so i played in those and i missed out on the uh you know the the tournaments with my club team at the time was long island express um which was you know very tough and and for me, I thought it was the end of the world that, you know, I thought I was never going to get recruited. And, you know, luckily things worked out. But I know my teammates and my dad, again, was the coach of the team. And I, I, I would go watch and I would say four to five different tournaments, you know, mostly in July, July into August. These guys are traveling all over the country, you know, playing these these high pressure games um, with the, you know, the college coaches with their clipboards and their uh, their chairs on the sidelines. So it was a pretty wild sight. Um, and I remember being, you know, pretty frustrated and, and frankly, I was pretty scared, you know, that I wasn't going to get recruited. Luckily for the lacrosse world, it all worked out. You, you end up getting recruited. You get to Princeton, one of the more storied lacrosse programs in history. What was it like when, you know, that first memory you step on campus and you're wearing your Princeton colors and you show up to your first college lacrosse practice? It, it was scary. You know, um, you know, I grew up my whole life, you know, idolizing, you know, college lacrosse players and, you know, I was very much, you know, what you'd call a lax rat um, growing up. I was, you know, I lived right near Hofstra. I saw a ton of games and, you know, I knew who, you know, all, all of our, all of our guys were on, on Princeton's team. And I probably could tell you where each and every one of them went to high school um, at the time. So it was, you know, a little nerve wracking, but, you know, like I alluded to before, it was, you know, a very comforting experience at the same time, you know, maybe that, you know, the first couple line drills, I was, you know, a little nervous and maybe dropped a couple of passes, but by the end of, you know, the first week together, I knew that, you know, we had a, a great team and, and a great group of guys to kind of help bring the freshmen through, you know, that first couple of weeks of school and, you know, help get them acclimated to, you know, academics, the, the weight room on the field, learning, you know, new things about the game and, and, and really developing. Um, so at first I'd say it was scary. And then, you know, it was pretty, a pretty cool experience getting to know some of these older guys and, and having them help me and help my, you know, classmates through those first couple of weeks. What was the, the biggest adjustment? Going whether it's whether it was lacrosse, whether it was on the field, off the field, what was or, or or both, you know, what was the biggest adjustment on the field going from playing at the high school level to playing at a, a school like Princeton and then off the field going from St. Anthony's to the academics of Princeton? I would say on the field, um, the speed. You know, I, I think that's, you know, an answer you'd kind of get across the board. You know, you're just going from, from the high school level to the collegiate level and, you know, the players are bigger, faster, stronger, a little bit more skilled. So I think adjusting to that, to the speed of the game was, you know, probably the, the biggest adjustment for me. Um, and then, you know, in the classroom, I was going from, you know, high school academics to, you know, one of the, the toughest places 
you know, in the world academically. And, and it was, you know, a big time adjustment for me, you know, especially my freshman year, you know, I did everything in my power to, you know, put the time in and, and do my best. And, you know, it was very tough. You know, it was, it was the first time I, you know, really had a difficult time, you know, whether it was on the field or, you know, in the classroom and, and it was, it was hard. You know, I think, again, um, having teammates there and having a, a very supportive coaching staff and, and supportive family, um, you know, nearby, less than two hours away on Long Island, really helped me get through that, you know, initial struggle. So you're at Princeton, only player in program history, 20 and 20, so 20 goals, 20 assists for three seasons, only midfielder in Ivy League history with 100 goals, 90 assists, four-time All-American what do you look back on? You know, what do you remember most about that career? And, and have you had a chance yet to look back and say, "Hey, that was pretty cool"? Or are you just still so focused on this, like, what's coming in front of you these next few years? I would say it's a mix of both. Um, I, I'm two years out now. I would say my first year out, I didn't think about it at all. <laughs> you know, I was kind of just ready for the next couple steps. Um, but you know, throughout this year, you know, being out in California and you know, meeting some some alums, you know that, you know, I never would have met otherwise and having some time to, you know, reflect and talk about, you know, my time there, you know, it, it, it always comes back to the guys. It comes back to my teammates. It comes back to, you know, a, a couple professors, the coaches, you know, that, that I was able to meet and, and learn from, you know, we, you know, growing up, all I ever wanted to do was win a national championship. And throughout my four years, that's all I was focused on. And, you know, obviously it didn't work out that way. And it, you know, I wish I had had a different mindset going through those four years and it, it took a you know, pretty heavy toll on me that, you know, we didn't have more success in, in the playoffs and, and, you know, the, and, and beyond that. And, you know, after, you know, having some time to look back, um, you know, I wouldn't change anything. You know, I, I met some amazing people. I learned a ton, you know, I was just surrounded by, you know, fantastic leaders in the classroom, on the field, you know, from our coaching staff to, you know, our managers and just, you know, people all over the place at that, at that school. And I'm really thankful, you know, that I had the opportunity and, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it more and more, you know, every day being an alum and getting to know different people and, and, um, you know, learn from them and, and, and hopefully, you know, be, be a big fan of the current team, even though, you know, they dropped a tough one this past week, but I think they'll, you know, be okay going forward. So going back to, to your college career, 2013, first team All-American, midfielder of the year, every award you could win as a midfielder, a Wharton Trophy finalist. Then you walk into USA tryouts at the end of the summer. And, and what was that experience like going from being the, the best, one of the best player, if not the best player in college lacrosse to being another guy at USA tryouts and, and a totally new world for you? It was the, the biggest jump I've ever had to go through in lacrosse. And, you know, I think it's a bigger jump from high school to college, you know, going from college to not only, you know, professional players, but kind of the cream of the crop of professional players in that tryout pool. And it was, um, you know, I, I think it was in August or late July, maybe. And, you know, I was living in Baltimore at the time and the tryouts were in Baltimore and I, and I put a ton of work in, you know, I felt ready. You know, I think I, I actually fared pretty well. You know, I struggled shooting the ball, but I remember the first game, you know, the format was just, you know, a couple scrimmages. I think 
you know, five or six scrimmages throughout two or three days. And, um, you know, I just couldn't believe some of the guys I was playing against, you know, even still, you know, it's going to be my third year in the MLL and I'm still shocked that, you know, I'm playing against some of these guys and, you know, let alone (laughs) know, know some of them, you know, it was, it was pretty wild, you know, going out there and competing against guys like Kyle Harrison and, and Rabel and, 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 you know, Casey Powell and these guys. So it was, uh, you know, the first couple of games were a bit of a shock. The speed was something you know, that was a little different. The physicality, again, was something that was an adjustment. But I think, you know, I, I got more and more comfortable um, as the weekend went on. Um, I didn't, you know, move on from that from that round of tryouts. But I think that experience was, was huge for me, you know, going into my senior year in college and, and beyond that in, in, you know, the MLL or in MLL, as I should say, not the MLL. I, I noticed that. It doesn't make sense if you say the MLL. You have to just say MLL. It's something yep. I picked up a couple of weeks ago, as I'm sure you have as well yep. in the uh, broadcasting community. Yep. But um, you know, overall, I think it was it was a big big time experience for me. You know, I get, it just allowed me to get more comfortable and and more, I guess, acclimated to that level of lacrosse, and it helped me a lot going forward. What was one of the things that really? St- I mean, everybody's got you. You know, I'm sure you have your first memory from college. I've got my first memory from every level of lacrosse. What was the one thing that that really stood out for you that week? In one interaction, or one guy you played against, or one play? You know, what was the one thing that you, that will probably stick with you forever from that? I think just in general, the goalie play. You know, as, as I said before, I kind of struggled shooting the ball. I missed a ton of shots, but I also, you know, couldn't believe you know how fast these guys were. You know how quick their their hands were and how they were able to react and. Um, I think that was what I walked away, you know, when, when I walked away from that try I just couldn't believe, you know, that the level of play the goalies were at, um, and, you know, beyond that, just, just, I was super impressed with everybody, you know, at, you know, from the attackman to the, the defense, the other midfielders, it was just, uh, you know, I was, I was very impressed. The, the speed was, was something that I wasn't used to. And, you know, just the, the sheer size of the guys that, you know, were out there, it was, uh, you know, pretty impressive. And like I said, a pretty cool experience for me, even though, you know, things didn't go my way. We've talked about it with, with almost everybody we talked to and, and you've gotten a taste of it now. So, so being through being a college guy that jumped right into that process. And then, you know, this past January going down with the U S team and playing Denver, everybody talks about college, the MLL and college lacrosse always get compared. And, and there's some people that are, that are NCAA purists and division one college lacrosse purists. And there's some people that, that have accepted the MLL what is your view? Is the MLL lacrosse the highest level of lacrosse in the world? Is the NCAA the highest level of lacrosse in the world? You know, what do you, how do you compare and contrast the two? How do you, how does Tom Schreiber think about each one? I think they're very different games. Last night, Joe, I, I got to see Maryland play Notre Dame out here in California, you know, which, you know, was a, was a great opportunity for the sport. But it's, especially those two teams, they're very conservative offensively and, you know, pride themselves on their defense, but it's a very slow game and it's very different from the from MLL with the shot clock and the two point arc. So I would say the two games are, are, are extremely different, but I would I would give a slight edge to MLL just because the talent is so concentrated, you know, going from, you know, a, a large pool of Division One players and a, and a handful of great D2 and D3 players um, to only nine teams, you know, with, you know, maybe 23, 25 rostered guys. Um, You know, it's just, it's simple math. You know, you take X amount of players, you know, and they they can only survive if they're at the top of their game. And um, I think just, you know, across the board in, you know, in the professional ranks, I just think 
with the the combination of size, speed, and just you know the skill set that some of these guys have, I think it's very tough you know for the for the college guys to compete. But you know, again, I think they're very different games just because of the rules um, and because of the amount of teams that are competing at each level. But um, I'd have to give a, a, a slight edge, and I, and I know I'm biased to the uh, to the pros. What uh, you're a guy that made a huge jump from year one when you when you walked into the MLL and, and you had a good season, but you made a huge jump from year one to year two. What was it that you were working on? What do you think helped, or what do you think drove that jump from year one to year two in, in your game? It was more mental than physical. I think it was a confidence thing. You know, I, I had gone. I think I had five days in between my last college game into my first pro game. Uh, I was a little banged up from the college season, and and you know, candidly, just mentally just drained you know from you know it was my last chance you know in college to really you know make a push you know to to get some postseason action and you know try to go all the way with our team and you know it was very very tough you know emotionally to to swallow that you know it was over and we hadn't gone further and um you know, I think I think it was hard for me to just move on, you know, in, in just a, such a short amount of time to a new group of guys, to a new team, you know, working towards a different goal. And, you know, it was, it was tough for me to go from, you know, being, you know, the guy offensively in college to, you know, not necessarily to being, you know, a, a, a third midfielder on a new team where I didn't really know anyone. You know, it was a pretty big jump. And, you know, I don't think I really felt, you know, like myself until maybe the last couple of games. And I, you know, ended up breaking my hand toward the end of the, my rookie season and it, which, which ended my season. And all you ever hear is, oh man, sophomore slump. Like these guys aren't going to be in as good a shape. You know, you're going to miss not being, you know, in the weight room and, and not having that, you know, free conditioning from your college season. And, you know, that, I took that as motivation and, you know, mentally, you know, I, I was like, I'm going to come in in the best shape that I can and do whatever I can to make an impact here. Um, I think that combined with being able to reflect on my collegiate career a little bit and, and, you know, kind of move on from, you know, being a college player to, you know, being a player for the Ohio machine, you know, allowed me to, you know, have a little bit more confidence and, you know, make a bigger impact on the field. There's a lot of guys and you talked a little bit about it, but, but, but there's a, or a lot of kids out there in the world that if they stepped on the field with Kyle Harrison, Pete Baum, Steel Stanwick, Marcus Holman and Jimmy Bitter, they wouldn't, they'd be pretty speechless. What, <laughs> what is that like for you? What was that for? Obviously Jimmy wasn't there when you got there, but what was that like the first time you, you get the ball on a six on six set and you look around and you're just like, okay. Who wants to go? Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty wild. You know, it was you know I I always joke with Kyle like I have his autograph at home. You know, he I like he like signed like some gloves or something for me when I was a little kid, like waiting and you know yelling at him to sign my stuff. So it was like it's a pretty cool experience with him. You know, number one and and you know Peter and and Steel and Marcus were you know a year or two years ahead of me in in school, but you know it was kind of the you know, the same sort of thing. Like you, those guys are at the top of the sport and you, you know, you have to respect what they've done. And, you know, I, I knew Marcus a little bit. Um, I knew steel very little, but you know, it was pretty cool, you know, playing with, you know, that those guys and, and, you know, how impressive they are as lacrosse players. It was, you know, it was a pretty cool experience for me. Some of the best players in the world. And, and you know, a lot of them just being a Princeton guy, but you talk about Matt Strebel and Ryan Boyle and BJ Prager and Chris Massey and Tyler. Now, now you have the crew of Fiorito and yourself and we admire 
what is the you know what's the story how is princeton creating all these stars you know what what is it that is going on i mean we heard about umbc doing it but you look through the history of the game and princeton's got a ton of guys that have had great careers in the mll well i think some of you know the, the guys you mentioned at first were just you know products of amazing teams you know that had a ton of success in the in the late 90s and then um in the early 2000s and i i think i could almost argue that there would have been more if you know these guys didn't have um you know such promising careers you know in the in the financial world or or otherwise um coming out of school and you know and i think as time goes on you mentioned tyler and chad like those guys were stars from high school all the way through college that you know have jobs outside of lacrosse that just love the game um to the point where they're you know they're willing to accept you know sacrificing you know time and energy to play lacrosse and play the game they love um you know you have to respect what they've done and i think you know i i think the way you know princeton um recruits has a lot to do with it as well so you, you talked about the, the careers that a lot of princeton guys have and, and you're what we call a full-time lacrosse person to so somebody that's playing in the mll has an endorsement in the involved in the camp world and coaching at j sarah which you talked about you know what helped drive that decision graduating with a degree from princeton and then saying hey you know what i, I want to do this lacrosse thing full-time and make this my life i think a lot of it had to do with advice i had gotten from other alumni and and you know, my parents and, and other family members and, you know, your shelf life as a professional lacrosse player or a lacrosse entrepreneur um, or, you know, however you'd want to phrase it, it is very short. You know, there's there's new stars coming out every every year. You know, you never know when you can, you know, God forbid, get get injured and, you know, your career could be over tomorrow. And um, it's something that I love the game so much. I wanted to be a part of it. You know, I, I had done some coaching throughout college, um, you know, over the summers and whatnot and really enjoyed it. And it was just, you know, something that I enjoyed. I, I did it for my first year um, out of college on Long Island and, you know, had, you know, a small lacrosse training business and, you know, was doing weekly clinics and, and, and camps and, you know, staying involved in the sport, traveling the country a little bit and, you know, having different experiences. And um, this past year, you know, I'm lucky enough to coach with Brendan Fowler and Brian Cavanaugh, um, who I mentioned before, and, um, you know, start to dip my toe into the business world a little bit um, out here in California. One of my former teammates um, at Princeton, Luke Armour, who was class of 2013, founded um, a venture capital firm. You know, after I think one or two, you know, lunches, just catching up with him up in uh, Los Angeles, we, you know, decided that you know, with the time that I had during the day where I wasn't, you know, working out or doing things for our um, high school program at J. Sarah, I could, you know, help him run his business and try to assist him in whatever he needed. And we had that chat in October and we've been, you know, working together ever since, you know, I'm not someone who's going into the office every day in a, in a suit and tie, but you know, I'm supporting him kind of from, you know, my apartment in, in Orange County and the coffee shops on the coast of California and, you know, starting to dip my toe into the business world when I can. And, you know, maybe that will evolve into something else. Maybe it won't, but I'm thankful, you know, for the experience and I'm really learning a lot and, you know, I'm enjoying that part of things while, you know, still able to be somewhat entrepreneurial 
in lacrosse. And, and part of that, Ansfordon, you talked about just the different avenues guys are taking in, in lacrosse. And you're a warrior athlete, and so many kids and so many people dream of being a sponsored athlete. You know, what was that like? How did you get on board with Warrior, and, and how has that relationship continued to grow? Well, I would say it's it, it's pretty humbling. You know, I had talked with a few companies while, you know, I was still living in my dorm room once my college career had ended and, you know, my MLL career began. And, um, you know, anytime, you know, a company will, you know, offer you some sort of salary to simply use their stuff and promote, you know, their brand, I think it's, you know, like I said, pretty humbling. And, you know, I'm thankful for that. And it's, you know, Warrior has roots at Princeton. It was, you know, founded by a Princeton lacrosse player. And, you know, it made a lot of sense for me to go that route. And, you know, it's it's been it's been pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting to get a peek into the lacrosse business world. And, you know, from, you know, seeing how they come up with different designs for products, whether it be gloves or shafts or heads, whatever it is, um, to the marketing side of things. Um, you know, I've I've been with them for two years now and you know, I've been through the warp campaign which has been you know super interesting and super exciting and you know I've you know I think like you said it's you know a pretty incredible experience you know being a sponsored athlete and you know it's something that you know I, I didn't think would be an option for me you know as a kid and and like you said it it allows you to be you know really a, a lacrosse professional aside from you know on on field play what advice would you have and we're you know a lot of miles jones is about to go through it dylan donnie is about to go through it ryan brown's about to go through it what advice would you have for some of these young guys coming out of college that that are thinking about taking that route of being a professional lacrosse person entrepreneur you know whatever avenue we want to call it i i would say you know be open to stepping outside of your comfort zone you know aside from the endorsement piece i would say you know be open to you know, go and do a camp in New Mexico or Nebraska or something like that. You know, I, I would have never thought in a million years I'd be living in Orange County, California, coaching lacrosse when I was 24 years old. But, you know, it's something, you know, that I decided to do. And, and, and um, you know, I'm pretty happy I did it. You know, I know you've um, experienced fields of growth and, and you know, having the opportunity to, you know, go to Africa and, and, and see the world and, and, and meet people that you would never meet otherwise um but i guess you know overall my my advice would be to just you know step outside your comfort zone and say yes to some you know opportunities that you know may seem a little outside the box and you know maybe a little bit uncomfortable at first but you know like i said i've i've been pretty happy that i've made certain decisions and been able to meet some incredible people and have some you know super positive experiences looking out five years from now and You've, you've already won a number of California state championships at, at J. Sarah. What, what is Tommy Schreiber doing five, ten years from now? You know, I, I think like a lot of people, and especially a lot of people my age, um, you know, I, I change my mind often. You know, I've I've considered a few different career paths, and, you know, the next week I'll be like, no, um, that doesn't sound good. Maybe I'll move here and do this. And, you know, it, it's really tough for some to you know place myself somewhere in five years but i guess in general you know i i hope to you know continue to play lacrosse at a, at a, at a high level you know be happy and, and be healthy you know that's really all you know i can hope for and i kind of will let the rest take care of itself that's uh one of the things that marcus holman got a kick out of a few weeks ago is was 
we're talking about what we're going to be doing in a few years and we're hoping to play. I mean, our, our kind of, of milestone was like, can we make it 10 years in the MLL? And if we made it to year mm-hmm. 10 in the MLL, that was a really good career. And, and as we're talking about, like, Casey Powell just turned 40 and is going on like year 20 in the MLL. <laughs> he, he is unbelievable. You know, I, I've gotten the chance to get to know Casey um, a little bit more throughout this year, you know, along with Adam Gittleman, he, he came out to uh, to Los Angeles and we did a, a clinic over at USC and, you know, just seeing somebody like that with, you know, that sort of presence, even, you know, at age 40 was, was really, really impressive. And, you know, seeing, and Ryan, I know you saw as well at the, you know, the U.S. Denver exhibition game, just the presence that Casey has, you know, as a player and as a leader is just something that I think is, is very cool. And to see him as his, you know, playing career, you know, maybe be over soon, like maybe over soon. Like, I don't, I don't know when this guy is going to stop buy playing. It. No, I don't, I don't know. But he, uh, you know, to see him stay involved in the sport, you know, with his foundation and then the video game, um, I think is something, you know, that I'm excited to, you know, kind of watch as time goes on. Yeah, it'll be fun, and and, and like I said, so we'll still be talking about Tom Schreiber in a couple of years. But I know you've got uh, you've got some training to go do. You've got a game to go play in, actually. So thank you very much for joining. It was it was uh, it's always a pleasure talking lacrosse with you and hearing about your experience from the youth level all the way up through uh, through playing in the MLL and and obviously what's what's to come next. Yeah, well, my pleasure, Ryan. I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, I will talk to you soon. There it is, Tom Schreiber, one of the best midfielders in the world right now, a 2015 MLL All-Pro, actually tied for the top vote-getter of the All-Pro voting after the 2015 season. It was really cool to hear his opinion on being a multi-sport athlete, and you heard him talk about it. College coaches who were recruiting him actually came to watch him play football, which was something that that you're not necessarily seeing so much today, and, and cool to hear that that was going on. A guy with a Princeton degree that's decided to take on lacrosse full-time and has become kind of mingled with the lacrosse business and and great advice for the next generation and the next crew of guys that are about to go through it. Um, Always appreciate some of these MLL guys giving us their experience and and talking about how they got to where they are today. We want to hear your opinion. We want to hear your thoughts and your feedback. We want to hear who you want us to talk to. So let us know on Twitter. You can get me at RyanFlanagan24 or tweet at lacrosseallstars.